Hello, and welcome to Author Chats, the Quarto Group's exclusive podcast for enlightening conversations with authors, editors, illustrators, and more. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and today I'm talking to Tiffany Jewell, author of This Book is Anti-Racist. Tiffany is a Black biracial writer and anti-racist Montessori educator and consultant. Gain a deeper understanding of your anti-racist self as you progress through 20 chapters that spark introspection, reveal the origins of racism that we are still experiencing today, and give you the courage and power to undo it. Let's chat with Tiffany Jewell. excited to be talking with you today. Like, I really am very excited. I'm more excited than you are. <laughs> um, my pronouns, I go by she, her pronouns. I'm Tiffany, the author of this book is Anti-Racist. Um, 20 lessons on how to wake up, take action, and do the work. I'm really excited for the book, and I get to share it with a lot of my students and former students as a Montessori educator, and I'm also a mama and um, a black biracial anti-racist advocate activist in in the education world, and so on and so forth. (laughs) Let's start with the first big question, which is, in your own words, what is This Book is Anti-Racist about? Oh, this book is really um, the book that we've all been needing. It is, it tells us um, a little bit about the history of racism and anti-racism, nodding to the past, but also looking to the future. And it really guides us in knowing a little bit more on who we are and how we can stand up against racism, um, because it's a huge problem in the world and it's going to take all of us to undo that. Wholeheartedly agree. Who did, would you say you wrote this book for? Um, I keep thinking about that and it really comes down to, I, I wrote this book for nine year old me. Um, like the kid who was sitting in her third grade class, um, sitting with some of her like best friends who were black and brown children. Now they're black and brown adults. Um, and just like having this racist teacher just kind of impart her ways on us, whether, um, you know, like she didn't say like, I'm a racist, but it was really clear to me as a kid that she didn't like us and her actions were unjust, but I didn't have the language to identify it or to talk about it. And then I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I keep thinking about, man, if like nine year old me had had this book, I think I would have done things a little differently. Um, and then I also think like as a mama or, or so just last night, my, um, eight-year-old was looking at the book and then he took it downstairs to his papa and was like, this is going to be the next book we read at bedtime. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, that's, that's all I want is like, you know, not just my kid and my husband, who's a white man, but like, and my, um, sons are white presenting, um, cisgender boys right now. And like, I'm super excited that this is like the work that families can do together too. I mean, they have good taste. You're working on four-starred <laughs> reviews right now. So I know. 
That's pretty exciting. I didn't even know what that means. It means good, good things. I'm going to hang up on the podcast and let's explain to you what the Star Review is, but it's a good thing, I promise. Um, This is uh, your first book for children, and it's a little bit lengthier. So if you had to sort of take a step back and think about whether or not there's sort of a universal first step when it comes to dismantling racism, how would you present that to people? What would that be? I think like the first thing would be, um, you know, I don't want to say like stay woke because I don't totally love that phrase, but it's true. Like wake up, um, and stay awake. Like, don't just wake up and be like, Oh, that's unjust. And then you're like, okay, I'm done. I've like figured out what it is, but really like wake up and start looking at the world, um, around you a little more critically, a little more consciously and notice, um, notice what's happening. Uh, because I think, you know, I think of the phrase like stay woke and it was like one of those times, um, it kind of like came around very like big during what was happening in Ferguson and that like, kind of like all of us were like glued to Twitter and like reading all the articles and listening to NPR a little more to know what was happening in other parts of the world in the country too. Um, so it's really like, stay awake, like wake up and then stay awake. Um, because once you're awake, then you're like, well, what is going on here? And then you move into like figuring out what's going on. But that is like the first key thing. And now tell us what the next 5,000 steps are. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, You're an anti-bias educator. So can you talk a little bit about your curriculum and how that slowly developed into this book as anti-racist? Yeah. Um, I was not totally aware of anti-bias education when I started teaching almost two decades ago. When I think about it, I've been teaching for like 18 years and um, that curriculum was written by like Louise German Sparks and Jen Edwards Olson. And it really kind of nods to early children, like young, young kiddos, um, with goals, like learn to love yourself, learn how to identify like indifference. Um, and kind of in the end, it's like how to take action. And I, when I was working with really little kids, like, toddlers I was noticing like how they're like learning language and developing all of this like sense of who they are so as a teacher it felt really natural to me to like feed into that like hey let's look at our culture in a deeper way like let's bring our families into our and I worked at a daycare center at the time um let's bring in books by authors who look like you and 18 years ago it was really hard to find books by authors who looked like my students um And from there, I just kind of like kept developing. And as a Montessori teacher, uh, or I found Montessori and became a Montessori teacher. And um, that also has a really nice philosophy of um, allowing children to be autonomous and kind of creating environments where they can be their full, whole selves, like ideally. So bringing all that in, I was working with six to nine-year-olds and seeing – that they wanted to know more. So we would tell these stories like the, or the timeline of life, like what came before us from like cyanobacteria all the way to like humans. And then we would study humans and then they're like, and then what? Um, and they were really curious about the world around them. So I 
part of like from my interest, but what they were wanting to, and what we weren't giving them, like I didn't get it in my training as a teacher and I definitely didn't get it in school was, um, wanting to, they wanted to know more about like history. And so we started talking about racism and anti-racism and looking at history and it started like very kind of teacher centered where I like, I'm telling them all of the information and they're just like taking it in, but they weren't like, they couldn't passively take it in. They couldn't be like passive students because they wanted to know more. So I kept like listening to them and following them and, um, and doing more research myself and had worked on this like big curriculum and over time written it. It's the history of racism and anti-racism curriculum framework. It's like a, it's not a scripted curriculum because I really want other educators to like learn for themselves yeah. too. Um, and like I started sharing it out for free and I still do. And because I think also like one of the things as a anti-racist educator is um, redistributing resources. And I think, you know, I look at like the, all the like, um, there's like what, two to four companies who have like all the textbooks and all the schools just give them all the money for these like scripts that are like wholly inaccurate and very one-sided. And so by like offering it for free, I can like disrupt that a little bit. Um, and I think from there, I kind of developed in a book for kids. Like I was talking, or Katie, and um, my editor, emailed me and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book for kids? And like for, I sat on the email for a little bit. So I was like, this is going to really? be a joke. Yeah. Oh. Um, I was like, I don't, I don't like years ago, I thought about writing like a silly, I don't say ch- silly, but like a children's book about the Haitian revolution <laughs> through the lens of like salt and pepper shakers. Interesting. <laughs> I know. It was, you should still I, write that. I would be very I, interested. <laughs> I like, I, I, I remember like sketching it out. I have no idea where it is. Um, but I like, and then I like emailed her and I was like, sure. And we talked about it like around this time last year. And so the kind of like the book just kind of like came forth really quickly because I had done so much work with kids and it felt very like natural. And now I get to, as a teacher, I get to use the book with my former students who are now in middle school, which is really exciting. And so it's kind of like the next work for them too which is cool. That is cool though. I definitely want to see the salt. Did you have like a, a fake title for it? I don't even remember. Like I have no idea. I like lived in Philadelphia and moved so many times that I'm like, I don't even know if I have like that notebook that had it in, but I would sit in the library in Philadelphia and like the big one, um, after work in the children's section. And I would just read like children's books. And I was like, man, these, these are terrible. Like there's so many, and partly because many of the awards are just for illustration. So it was like content didn't feel important, but I was like, they're not telling them anything. And so I was just like, well, I'll, you know, it was like young, like 23 year old, like I, I can do this. And Everybody whatever. can do it. Right. Um, you got, I mean, you got quite lucky with Aurelia as your illustrator. Because oh my gosh. She's just like, incredible. And I love watching her. Right? On, I love finding her stuff on Instagram with yeah. her little dances. Yeah, she's so awesome, and, like, we have these, like, funny little, like, Instagram exchanges, like, DMs, and, like, there's, like, um, 
like we speak different languages, first languages, and then there's a time difference. So like they like pop up at random times and stuff, but she's also just like, so like, she's so kind and like generous with her, like art and her creativity. Yeah. Like that, I feel so, um, honored to have her like illustrate my words. You should. She's wonderful. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And like how Katie, like, found that pair. I was like, amazing. Cause like absolute perfection. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you tell educators, teachers, and librarians who do not identify as marginalized people? What can they do in their classrooms and libraries on a daily basis to disrupt racism? Yeah. And that's like most of them. When you look at like the statistics, it's like 20% of educators or people in education are people of the global majority. I'm surprised um, it's that high, actually. I would think it's I know. Lower. It used to be higher um, before, like, the Brown versus Board of Education because we had black schools for black children. Not to say, like, segregation was great, but, like, there was no work done. A different kind of opportunity. Yeah. Like, all those teachers just got fired. Um for educators, the first thing I always do when I like work with other folks and, and in my um, own classroom space is really work on with the students and families and making the space theirs. So like everybody is represented in the environment and that, um, so in my classroom, what that looked like was I had like organized all of the like bookshelves and like, you know, like, um, all the chapter books were organized by like author, by last name. And I had like put them in categories of like fiction and nonfiction. And then the students came in and they like, I, they couldn't find the books they wanted because they were organized how I wanted them to. And so like the next day, like we took all the books off the shelves. So there were like thousands of books in the middle of the floor and they just spent the whole day like rearranging them, labeling them, like creating labels so kids who can't read what they are can like find them easily. So they like, and this was all like coming from them. And from like that moment, I was like, okay, I don't know what they need to know. So like really listening to children and watching them, but also like giving them the, um, power like empowering them to create a space for themselves it's so important and doesn't happen often what books are you reading right now that you would oh my gosh where's Um, your list (laughs) i have my um my like nightstand has two very large stacks on it that I'm always afraid I'm going to, like, knock over at night when I go get my water. <laughs> See, here. It's terrible. And my, like, husband's always like, we have to, like, put those on the shelf, but there's no room on the bookshelves there's no room either. on the shelf. And how are you going to know which books you need to right? read next? I know. That's impractical. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm finishing up um, Tommy Orange's There, There, mm-hmm. um, which... Uh, he was the keynote at the NCTE conference and, um, his like writing style is so, uh, like I'm really enjoying the book in a way that I didn't think I would because I, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was getting in for, but his style is so beautiful. And like every chapter is like a new story in a character's life, but it feels very real too. Um, so it's a book. I'm trying to like read it slowly because it's so good. And I haven't read a book like that in a while. Um, I'm also 
oh, I can't remember. I have like four books on my Kindle. <laughs> I'm reading um, Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist mm-hmm. and like listening to it too. I listen to nonfiction and I read fiction usually. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm still learning about how I learn best. Um, I also have a um, copy of Layla Saad's Me and White Supremacy book, which is really exciting. So I'm reading through that. Um, and like, they're all, all of these books kind of like lead me to be like, Oh my gosh, like what is, I'm really excited for all the things that are coming out for all of us right now. Do you find that all of the things that you're reading sort of reaffirm what you've been talking about? Yes. Yeah. And it's exciting that like, so, and you know, like these are the books that I'm drawn to as well, but I'm really excited that these are books that are all available or going to be available for everybody. Um, which is amazing. And with my kiddos, um, we've been with my eight year old, we've been reading the Harry Potter series. I just finished book seven for the umpteenth time last night. And I was just bawling every time. So okay. it's my like first time reading them. Oh, okay. I like. I think I'm like just old enough or something where I missed them, and so he and I are reading them. But we stopped at 14 because there's like too many teenage emotions that like his eight year old self was like, I don't really yeah. understand what's happening. Those, those Cho Chang years. Those yeah, yep. yeah. He's like, oh, really. So now we're reading the Mysterious Benedict Society, which also is amazing. also really fun and exciting. And with my um, three and a half year old, he's like so in love. Um, I can't remember which Quarto imprint it is, but with the, like, 40 Black Musicians book. Oh, yeah, the 40 Inspiring Icons. I think that's yes. why I Yeah. He loves it. And so, like, every night he wants to, like, pull it out, and we're, like, reading about it. He's, like, obsessed with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Good. <laughs> which is, like, I know. <laughs> and... And then, like, they know I love Bob Marley, so they're always like, can you read about Bob Marley? And then, like, we say, like, it's so cute, and I love it. Um, and I'm also like, can we read something else, please? Yeah. <laughs> but I like it. It's like our house mentor text right now. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's so cute. Are you working on any new books for us? I, us being no, the world. I, yeah. I have like a so like once everything was done, like and then my head just like I have all these ideas. Um and so um I have a couple of outlines of things and we've um thought about like this book is anti racist, what that would look like for younger folks. That's what um, I would love to see. Yeah. And I think like that is even like I've taught six to nine year olds for so long. I'm like, I could do that in my sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the thing, like, I love, um, I love telling stories of history to kids. And I always like, I was telling my husband, I was like, I think I sound kind of like the people in drunk history. <laughs> I love that <laughs> show. Like, I think they're great. I love, so they're doing a great it's job. so good. <laughs> but it's like the way I tell it, cause I'm trying to tell it in a way where kids understand and they don't get bored. <laughs> So maybe some like drunk history version book. <laughs> that would be like an interactive one. That would be great. Pour her a drink. And you can click a button. It would be awesome. <laughs> um, and I am um, 
I have this, like, my friend and I last night, Amelia, who wrote the poem in the book at the very end, she and I were, like, scheming up this amazing idea that I want to, like, outline before I put out there. Absolutely understand. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, but it's, like, one that we haven't seen, and we don't think other people are even, like, thinking about it, because it's, like, all about, like, the underdog in a way. (laughs) Publish it quickly, because someone else might get that idea. But we published, I mean, we published this book as anti-racist in like a year. So fast. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote it in like three and a half months. That's pretty impressive. Um, I didn't know you could take longer. (laughs) Oh yeah. Most people do. That's, that's definitely the outlier. Yeah. Um, I (laughs) I got one final question for you and you mentioned, you know, going to the library in Philadelphia you mentioned how incredible it is that the books that you were just talking about are now freely available for people. So one question that I'm asking everyone who stops by the podcast is that um, I would love to know if you can remember the first book that you checked out of a library, and I would love to know what it means to you to now have your book available to everybody in a library. Oh, I don't know if I remember. I remember getting my library card, oh, yeah. and it was like when I could like write my signature in cursive. Um, I think I pretty much just checked out any book that was on Reading Rainbow. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Like, we would watch the show in the morning, and then we would go to the library afterwards with this like list. With your little and, list. Yeah, and my sister and, I, and like my nana, like and my sister and I, we'd walk to the library, and then the, like we'd have these heavy bags and arms full, and you, it's like the weekly like pilgrimage to the library, especially in the summer. <laughs> And we walked everywhere because my grandmother didn't drive. And so it's like, we were probably very strong, like seven, eight years I'm, I'm sure in Philadelphia during the summer, it wasn't that disgustingly hot outside. So. Oh, this was in Syracuse, New York. I went, I lived in Philly after college, but um, it's still very humid and gross. Um, and then like my son, who's eight, got his own library card, which is really exciting. And he like, wrote his signature on the back and is taking books out and um and it's like the and he keeps his books with his cards separate from the ones that I get for his brother who's of younger because he's like I'm in charge of the and yeah. it's so like it's so awesome and it's very to have adult. that and to like have my book in the libraries is like beyond like a dream like having them in homes is great, but like libraries where anybody can access them is so amazing. Like it's the thing I love about libraries is, so I, I I tried to like go and get my master's, but I just like, it was expensive and I didn't love doing, um, the whole like rigid school thing. Cause I was working teaching and teaching full time too. So I would just go to the library and get books out that like were in the syllabus and it was like, I can do this work too for free. (laughs) I love it. And my, my sister-in-law is a librarian. So I feel like a special like soft spot. I'm like for all the like librarians who, you know, it's exciting when she gets like the book catalogs and we like look over them together. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so hard to say no to any of them. I know. Thank you so much for listening to Author Chats. 
This book is anti-racist, is available worldwide, so please visit your local bookstore or library to find a copy for you and your readers. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music.